This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Everybody well and blessed, full of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's so good to be in the house of God and we're so excited about what God is doing here. Once again, we thank God for our visionary pastors, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. Aren't you glad that God put you in this house? Come on, show God appreciation. Let Dr. Theo and Bev know how much you love them. How many of you came expecting this morning? How many you ready to receive from the Word of God? Father, we come with expectant hearts before you today. We know that you are our living God and that your desire is for us to know you, to know your ways, to know your kingdom, to experience everything that you have for us. And you delivered us your word to produce the faith that you desire for us to walk in. I know your word declares it. We believe it. and We receive it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by your living word. Today we receive that faith. I believe every heart will be filled with faith, driving out every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. And I thank you, Father, that each one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout amen? Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Romans chapter 5. How many of you are ready for some great things to happen in your life? Let me see how many of you got great plans. The year is drawing to an end, but you know God's not done with you. And you know there's still great things ahead. And you want to experience everything that God has for you. Look at verse 17, Romans chapter 5. If by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, who was that? That was Adam. Much more. Everybody say, much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That reigning in life, the Passion Translation puts it as reigning as kings in life. Tell me, how are you ready to reign in life? How are you ready to rule over your circumstances. Sometimes you ask people how they're doing, and they say, well, under the circumstances. You and I shouldn't be under the circumstances. We want to rule over the circumstances. How many of you want to tell sickness and disease to get out of your life? How many of you fed up with demons running your life? You want to run demons out of town. How many of you have a vision from God and you know you don't want your money, your bank account to decide what you're going to do. You want to hear from God what you have to do and then tell your account to come into line with that. How many of you are ready to rule that way, to reign in life? The Bible says we're able to do it. Who are the ones that can reign in life? Well, firstly, it's the ones that receive the gift of righteousness. That happened the day you were born again. The day you gave your life to Jesus. How do you know that none of us are able to do enough right to be righteous? We could never do it. But praise God, Jesus, who knew no sin, he never committed any sin, was made to be sin so that we might receive the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. You're not right because you're right. You are righteous because he is. And you've received his righteousness as your gift. Say that I am the righteousness of God. 
And then it says, those that receive the abundance of grace. Everybody say, abundance of grace. What is this abundance of grace? Because this grace is available to you and me. This grace, it says, if we can receive it, we can reign in life. Now, receiving it tells me that it doesn't just manifest automatically. You've been given grace. The same way you have been blessed, you have been healed, you have been delivered, you've been provided for, but we need to walk into it by faith. We need to accept it and receive it. And so the same way grace is available, but it has to be received. Say that I have to receive the abundance of grace. Now, how do I receive this grace? What grace are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's look at the grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 says, God is able to make how much grace? All grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, that's a lot of alls and always and everys. Come on, just think about it for a moment. Can you imagine being in a place where all and every is taken care of? Can you imagine living in your house that is paid off in full? There's no bond and no more bond payments. Can you imagine your car paid off? No more payments on the car. The petrol tank is full. Grocery cupboard has everything in it. You've got all the clothes you need. School fees are paid. Electricity, everything is paid for. And then your salary arrives and you're wondering, what am I supposed to do with that? Come on, how many of you would like to live in that kind of place where you can just imagine helping people and doing what you're wanting to do and be generous and free? Come on. And I'm not even just talking about money. I'm talking about a grace to do whatever you need to do. There's a grace to be a father and a mother. There's a grace to be a husband and a wife. At this moment, I'm not walking in those graces. I'm walking in the grace as a teacher. You understand that grace is available for whatever you need to do. He said that all grace will abound towards you. So when you speak to somebody, you leave them feeling blessed and encouraged. If you see someone sick, you can lay hands on them and they will be healed immediately. All grace. Everybody say all grace. How do you want this all grace to abound in your life? Now, if you have a look here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives us some insight into how powerful this grace is. He says in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, for a moment, I stop and say, hang on, who's writing this? It is Paul. Now, I don't know about you, but I consider Paul an amazing man of God. He planted churches all over the place. He was getting revelation into the kingdom of God that no one else was getting. Talking about righteousness, talking about hearing the voice of God, being led by the Spirit, what faith is. He had insight into grace. He, in fact, God used him to write Almost two-thirds of the New Testament, everything we're learning under the New Covenant, most of it comes from the Apostle Paul. I would say this was a very successful man. And yet he says, I'm the least. What is he talking about? Well, how many of you have ever been for a job interview? Now, you know when you go along, maybe it's a, a highly skilled job. If it's a highly skilled job, they don't just interview anybody that comes in. They want to know that you can do the job. And so very often they'll have a questionnaire and they'll say, 
what's your qualification, how long have you been doing it, can you do this? Maybe they'll give you a problem or two to solve to see if you are capable of that position. And then they will decide whether they should employ you or not. And what Paul is saying here is that he would have, if we were ready to employ an apostle and gave him a questionnaire, he would have answered no, 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 no. In other words, he's the last guy we would have chosen to be an apostle. And yet he became this great and mighty man of God. How come he was so successful? We see the answer here in verse number eight. He says he's not worthy to be called, uh, verse nine, not worthy to be called an apostle. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. How do you say amen to that? By the grace of God, I am what I am. I recognize Alan Bagg standing up there. You know Alan Bagg, BC, he'd never do this. But by the grace of God, I can do it. Say, I am able to do whatever I'm called to do by the grace of God. And Paul says, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but he has a key. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Family of God, how come all the other apostles didn't walk in such great revelation of this grace? Paul says he labored more than them all. Now, you've got to first of all understand, sometimes people say, how come he walked in this great grace? Someone may say, yeah, but he's the apostle Paul. No, we have all been given the same grace. Have a look. Keep your marker there. We're going to come back. One Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says to each one of us. Can each one of us put our hand up please? Just bump your name and say, look at that. I'm in the Bible. This is you. Amen. Say, this is me. Now to each one of us, that's every one of us, grace was given according to our qualifications. Is that not in your Bible? Grace was given according to our education. Oh, I get it. Grace was given according to our race. Oh, neither. Or grace was given according to our gender. Are any of those things qualifications? Actually, nothing. Because grace was given according to the measure of? The measure of? Christ's gift. Now, family of God, let me ask you. What kind of grace did walk Jesus walk in? I mean, he... he truly demonstrated all grace whatever he needed was there every single person that wanted to be healed by him was healed not once did he pray for someone and then you know nothing kind of happened and said well at least keep confessing the scriptures let's keep believing no everybody he touched was completely healed come on say amen to that I mean, he lacked for nothing. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. If he needed tax money, he said, go catch a fish. You'll find some gold. Wouldn't that be nice? If you needed some money, just go catch a fish. Jesus did that. He walked in all grace. Now, didn't he say that you would do the same works he did and greater? How's that possible? Because we have received grace according to his gift. Say this, I have received the exact same grace that Jesus has. Family of God, that tells me you got exactly the same potential as Jesus. Okay, let me come this side. I said you got exactly the same potential as Jesus. That's what he says. 
Well, then how come I'm not seeing it manifesting? Well, here's what Paul said. He said that it manifested because I labored more abundantly than they all. Family, something about grace is that when you've received grace, if you're born again, you've received all grace. But if that person gets saved and all they do is every Sunday come sit in a chair here and then go home, that they'll still die, they'll still go to heaven, but they'll never see grace manifesting in any great measures. It's the one that puts that grace into action, the one that begins to work with grace. And Paul said the moment he started working, he noticed something that he, by grace he was able to do it, but when he did it, grace showed up powerfully and in fact overtook him, and then grace did the work. So he started, but grace took over. And then when grace took over, it manifested even to a greater measure so that he could do even more. And so when he did even more, even more grace showed up. Grace keeps manifesting in greater and greater measures when you put it into action. Family, I want to encourage you, don't just be a pew sitter on a Sunday. Get involved in the kingdom of God. Do something. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, start by cleaning the carpets. Do something. Pick up acres. Serve somewhere. Become an usher. Get into the worship team. Go and serve in the, in the, in, in the welcome. Wherever. Just get active. Get into a home cell. Get into life groups. Get into connection groups. Be active. Because when you're active, grace will show up in greater and greater measures. Say hallelujah. Now. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. So God is able to make, how much? All this grace abound toward you that you're always having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. But you notice something about this verse. It starts with the word and. Now, you know you don't walk into a room and say and and carry on talking. It doesn't make sense because and is a conjunction. It's not an opening word. So and as a conjunction means there's a previous thought that activates this thought. So if God is able to make all grace abound because of and, then without and, he's not able to make that grace abound. Can you see that? So what is the and? What is? causes God to be able to make all grace abound in your life. Well, look at verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Family, you see, this is not rocket science. If you sow one millipip, how many milli stalks do you think you're going to get? I see some people are looking a little confused. All those that said one are correct. The rest of you write it down. It's amazing what you learn in church. Amen. And so using that amazing piece of information, let's say I planted, a, if, if I wanted 100 millicorn stalks, how many seeds do I need to plant? At least 100. Because some of them may not work. Isn't that right? But I need to plant 100. So I plant my 100 corn seeds. My 100 corn stalks come up. I'm excited about all my millies until I look over at my friend and my neighbor has one acre full of millies. Now I'm upset. How come he's got an acre full of millies and all I get is 100? Now I'm upset with God. Do you maybe love him more? Do you think that's the reason he's got an acre full of millies? Or maybe he's working harder at church. Oh, I know what it is. He's a pastor. 
Some people think that pastors have preference. I know pastors who don't even have a field, never mind no millies. Come on, how you know what I'm talking about? Why? How come he's got an acre full of millies? What's the amazing thing this man's discovered? How come he has an acre full of millies? Because he planted an acre full of seed. Oh, come on, you got to get a hold of this. See, family of God, your harvest is not determined by God. It's determined by you. Let me say it again. Your harvest is not determined by God. It's determined by you. Say that I determine the size of my harvest. And so that's why he goes on and he says in verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice, give as you purpose in your heart, not your head. Ecclesiastes says, The one who observes the wind and the clouds, they'll never sow. Until you wait for the right opportunity or the right conditions, you won't sow. You've got to make a decision. God, what's coming up in my future? Because if you're going to sow seed, you need to know what harvest you're looking for. And so the same way a farmer who wants an acre full of seed, if I had to go into farming, let's say someone gave me a farm and it's as big as it's an acre and I can go and plant millies, and I go down to the co-op and said, I want to plant some millies. Can I get some seed? They say, how much seed do you want to buy? I've got no idea. But there is a formula. Those that know, if I said I've got an acre, they can put it in the formula and say, well, you need so many kilograms of seed. So I need to know harvest and buy the correct amount of seed. So when you're going to sow your seed, God knows you have a harvest in your future. So I need to know that I can sow correctly and accurately. It's like somebody who's believing God for a Mercedes Benz, and then they sow 10 rand. My question is, what kind of Mercedes are you looking for? Is it one of these little remote control toys? Because 10 rand is not going to produce a big harvest. Now, if all you got is 10 rand, then sow it. But when you get a harvest of that, don't eat that seed. Sow it again till you have the right seed. Lord, what do I need to sow for my future? How do you know God knows what's coming up in your future? So when he tells you to give something, don't question it. Know that God's preparing you. Sometimes he asks you to give something you don't have yet. I've learned that in my life. And when I'm told to give something I don't have, I work on that seed and I develop a greater harvest by using the seed principle. So now this person that is giving generously and is giving with joy in their heart and they're excited about it. And God is now able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Family of God, grace flows in the atmosphere of generosity. Say that. Grace flows in the atmosphere of generosity. When you see someone walking in great grace, you can be convinced that's a generous person. I've seen it. I've traveled the world. I've got many friends around the world, many ministers that are running great, successful. I'm talking about powerful ministries that are changing the world. Ministries that are effective. I've never yet found a, an effective, powerful, miracle-working, soul-winning church where the pastor is stingy. Never. Not once. Every one of them are generous. Why? Grace flows in the atmosphere of generosity. See, when you see a need and you're generous, you're going to want to give into it. If you see someone sick, 
you want to get them better, lay hands on them. Isn't that right? If, if, if I'm selfish, I'm dying. I'm going to heaven. When, one day when I die, I will go to heaven. I don't need to worry about anything more. No, out of generosity, I see souls that still need to be saved. I'm going to heaven. Thank God for that. But now freely received, I freely give. And generosity births this grace to be able to flow abundantly in your life. Family, now other scriptures will come to life. You have a look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. It says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. Now, family God, think about this. If you're going to steal from someone, number one, they must not see you do it. Now, this is not theft 101, amen, so, but it makes sense. Yet God is omniscient. He sees all things. Number two, if you steal something from someone, you can never use that thing in front of that person. And God is omnipresent. So this omnipresent, omniscient God, you've got to be stupid to steal from God. Oh, come on. And, 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 and their reaction, when he says, you rob me, in fact, rob is, someone told me the other day, that robbing, the word rob, understood amongst criminals, is that rob is different to stealing. Stealing is when you, someone doesn't see robbers, when they stare you in the eye and take it from you. Hijacking. God says, you hijacked me. You robbed from me. So their reaction is much like yours. Like, will a man rob God? My answer is, duh. But you see, their reaction is very similar. They say, in what way have we robbed you? Are you kidding me? Are you telling me I've robbed you? In what way? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Everyone say, tithes and offerings. Notice the tithe is not an offering. The offering is not a tithe. What is the tithe? The tithe is that 10%. That belongs to God. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says, all the tithe is the Lord's. Say that the whole tithe belongs to God. And God says, you've robbed me. Verse 9, you cursed with a curse. Now he's not saying he curses you. Family of God, if you switch the lights off, it's dark. It doesn't mean the blessing's not there. It's just not working. See, if the lights were off here, the power's still in the building. They didn't switch it off at ESCOM. It's off here. But you put the switch on, you see the light's still there. But if the switch is off, it's dark. So because you kept the tithe, you are now in the state of the curse. And he says here, verse 10, bring how much? All the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. That is grace abounding. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Family of God, God is desperately trying to position you into a place of generosity so that His grace can abound in your life. And he knows the only way to activate it, he set up this principle, is that if you would bring the tithe to his house so that the gospel can be preached, he can activate that blessing in your life. 
But the thing is, I didn't have a tithe. I didn't have anything. So God puts a tithe into your hand. And here's the thing. Whenever you give someone a gift, you wrap it, right? God says you need a tithe. That is your greatest gift from God in terms of this blessing working. Jesus opened the door for it. Now your tithe activates it in that area of generosity. So you have to have a tithe. He puts a tithe in your hand, but he wraps it in nine others. Oh, did you get that? You see, when I get a hundred rand, I don't think that I got a hundred rand. I think I've received a tithe and God says, keep the other nine. So in other words, technically the person wanted to give me 90 rand. God convinced them to put his 10 rand with it. Oh, God, is this helping you? So when someone gives you a thousand rand, how much did they really want to give you? 900, but God said, put another 100 in because I want to get a blessing into their lives. So when you sit down with your boss and, and, and someone has a job interview and the boss says, you know what, I'm trying to think, figure out how am I going to pay you. I think I want to pay you 20,000 rand a month. How much did he actually want to pay you? 18,000 rand. Because he convinced, God convinced him to put another 2,000 in there. And so he said 2,000 because your tithe is 2,000 rand. He said 20,000. You getting this? So whenever I get anything from God, anything from anybody now, I immediately recognize God's already wrapped a tithe in there. Why? He desperately wants to get it into your hand. He says, now prove me. Get it back into the kingdom of God. Why? Because in the atmosphere of generosity, grace abounds. Now I can bless you. And once you're in that place, now you're going to see more happening in your life than you've ever seen before. Everything you touch prospers. Everything you do works. Every seed you sow multiplies and increases. Come on, someone give Jesus praise this morning. So family of God, I want to encourage you. I know I'm speaking to a room full of tithers. And many of you already are doing it. I'm just building your faith here. I want you to see it from a whole new perspective. That because you're tithing, it doesn't just become a religious action. That in fact, you're stepping into this place of the abounding grace. You can receive the grace and say, I've got grace for that. I've got grace for this. If you're doing something you don't know what to do, I have grace for it. Why? Because I'm living in an atmosphere of generosity. Hallelujah. And family God, if you haven't been tithing, I know things have been tough lately. Economically, there's a lot of stress on us in this country. But I want to encourage you. Don't let go of the tithe. Sometimes you think that 20,000, you can take that 2,000 and use it somewhere. But if I use the 2,000 rand, man, the devil's going to get, get climbing to me. And there's no ways I can stop that thing if I'm not positioned correctly. I don't want to be in that place. I think 2,000 can take me far Man, the problems that can happen can far outweigh that 2,000 very quickly. But if I get it into the hands of God, God can bless me and multiply and increase me. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been tithing, make a decision. That's it. I'm doing it from this day on. And notice, this is the one place and the only place God says, test me. Check me out. Even Jesus told the devil, you're not allowed to tempt God. Don't tempt God. You, we have to believe God. Just trust him. God says something. I don't have to prove it. I trust him and believe him. And yet with the tithe, he says, bring it to my house. If you put something in my hand, watch out if I don't get far more back to you. Come on, give Jesus praise. 
This is our God. Hallelujah. I want to close with reading 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again from the Passion Translation. How have you been enjoying the Passion Translation? Isn't it exciting? I really want to encourage you, if you haven't got it yet, get a hold of it, either in book form or you can download it. Many of the programs have it today. Listen to this from verse 6. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. Meager means lacking in quantity or quality. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves a hilarious generosity. Hallelujah. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, He'll make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in Him, because He has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, His kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God, everybody say generous God, who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. Say, my generous God is more extravagant towards me. First, he supplies every need plus more. And then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that your harvest of generosity will grow. You'll be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. Family of God, grace flows in the atmosphere of generosity. Lift your hands and say, today I make a quality decision. As I've heard the word of God, faith has risen in my heart. From this day on, I honor the Lord with his tithe. Everything he gives me, I return 10%. To his house so that the gospel can be preached. Now the windows of heaven are open above me. And grace abounds. And I always have all sufficiency in all things. And abundance for every good work. In Jesus name. Come on give your Lord Jesus praise. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.